We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. All right, what's up, guys? Mike Trudell and Darius Soriano with you today. Uh, no, Pete, welcome to the Laker Film Room podcast presented by Blue Wire. And this is just us hopping on before I literally get in the shower and head to media day, Darius. Pete is already there, and we wanted to knock out uh, some thoughts on Drew Holiday that trade, Portland moving him over to Boston before we put an official wrap, which we said we did last time because that's what we thought it was when the right. other portion of this trade um, happened and Dame Lillard went to Milwaukee. And we we had been texting back and forth about about four or five different outlet, different highlighted thoughts about why this is significant, not just to the league, but to the Lakers. What is your top line item when you saw that text come through? Well, I mean... Any team but Boston, to a certain extent. I don't want to see Boston get better, but I think we're going to have this conversation right here, Mike, about Boston getting better in certain ways, but maybe hurting themselves in some other ways. And so I kick it back to you here because that is my top line item, that he went to the team that I didn't really want him to go to. But Boston did impact their depth in a couple of ways and so is that the top line item for you though well as you know my anti-boston agenda is strong maybe not quite as strong as you and pete (laughs) sure uh, children of the 80s and i just am thinking about the lakers in the context of the west first and for me so it's always what's going on in the west and then if boston happens to be in the finals the year that the lakers get there then great, you know, then sort of deal with that then and find a way to to beat them as you would any other team. But I'm not I don't spend a lot of my time just hoping that Boston is at the complete bottom of the East, although that would be preferable. It's just not it's just not as much of a concern as where the Lakers stand in the West. So um, that might be a fine line. I know that uh, I know where Pete stands on that and (laughs) he can represent his own opinion on that when we talk later today. Uh, probably about what happened at media day, but I had, I had put up a poll, which I don't do very often. I was just curious because instead of opining for myself about Boston's roster last year versus Boston's roster this year, um, I was more thinking, well, 
how much more do I like this roster, even after the Drew Holiday trade, um, than last year's? And let's see. I'm looking at the poll right now. And folks, maybe part of this is slanted because I posted it and people know that I'm associated with the Lakers. But Sure, but at least you did it from your Mike Trudell account and not from the Lakers reporter account. And and all I did was present the roster. Okay, so here's the Celtics rotation this year. Derek White, Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Chris Porzingis starting. And then Horford, some combo of Pritchard and Hauser, and then maybe Banton or Brissett. And, and, you know, so Delano Banton, they get this year, they get um, Brissett from Indiana. And last year, of course, was some of those players. So Smart, White, Brown, Tatum, Horford, but then Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, who go to Portland as part of this trade. We'll get to that in a second. Plus Grant Williams, who is now in Dallas. And then Hauser Pritchard as the sort of ninth and tenth guys. And 55% liked last year's roster better uh, in my very scientific immediate poll. Even if you pull that down some, I just don't. I'll bring the Lakers model from the previous couple of years into this. So what they're dealing with now, LeBron AD in in several mid-tier type talent contracts. When they won in 1920, LeBron AD in several mid-tier type value contracts versus when they brought Russ in and were kind of just filling in replacement level players at most of the other spots. I think this Boston team, Darius, after the trade is better than that. And, And certainly with Russ relative to like Porzingis and Holiday combining into that third and fourth mm-hmm. spot as opposed to one guy taking almost all of that. But nonetheless, like the the lack of depth at the big positions, especially is the same thing that worries me about what Phoenix did from Phoenix's perspective. And I like the Lakers better in both matchups is the is the sh- shortcut for me. Um, what at, like post trades? I like I like that there is less deterrence at the rim which i still find important and i didn't give Jokic's massive frame enough credit for what he at least did to deter bodies going in there um uh, just willy-nilly and so that's that's my immediate reaction is that i think i get it why boston's ceiling could be a little bit higher and if they could just find a, another big and but robert williams being included is what took it from me being like oh yeah i get it top seed in the East. I like them more than Milwaukee, which now I, I might pick Milwaukee because um, I just don't know how they form enough of a wall on Giannis. So that's a lot. But the point for me is just the the lack of depth in the middle with a quality big, a real quality defensive big um, or a big that's so overwhelming offensively like Jokic that it does the same thing in a sense. That's the thing that would worry me the most. Well, I think it's interesting because the depth in general to me is something that Boston has it's a challenge that they're going to need to address, right? And so they turned four rotation players from last season's team into two, right? And you could argue that they got upgrades in those two positions, right? And so in the backcourt, they swapped Marcus Smart and Brogdon for Drew Holiday. Now, you would rather have Drew Holiday over either of those two players. He's the best player of those three. Right. And so you could understand it from Boston's perspective, like we got the better player with Grant Williams and Robert Williams. They essentially they swapped two front court players in for Kristaps Porzingis. Now, your mileage can vary on what people think about Porzingis. Porzingis had a really good season last season. He was a good rim protector. He shot the ball well. He was better from the mid range. He was better as a passer. It was probably one of his most complete seasons and he stayed healthy, 
right? And so if you want to say Porzingis is the best player out of those three, you might get some pushback from folks who like both of those Williams from a defensive standpoint a little bit better, their defensive versatility. But as an overall player, both sides of the floor, Porzingis is probably the best player of those three. And so you could say Boston won on a talent standpoint, but they turned nine players or 10 players into six players. This is where things get problematic for them. It's because their top six is now really good, but they've compromised their depth in ways that are going to be tricky. And if you could win over the course of an 82 game season with six players, that's one thing. I think though that that's gonna be challenging. They're probably a better playoff team now though with Holiday, I think. But it's going to be tricky because the wrong matchup could also hurt them in certain ways. And so I'm mixed and I can understand why your poll is basically 50-50 because there are strong arguments on both sides. So, Mike, so why don't we go to break here, and when we come back, I want to hear your thoughts on all of that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Darius. So I think about this in the context of a fantasy trade where let's say the the whole league gets mad because you trade one player for like seven. But really, you're trading that it's not just the one player that you're trading. You're trading whatever the depth is on your bench um, that you can feasibly play. In other words, Peyton Pritchard becomes a part of this trade in a way. So it's it's smart and Brogdon for Holiday, but really it's smart and Brogdon for Holiday and then Pritchard playing in that rotation spot. And that I actually feel good about from Boston's perspective. I think that Pritchard's actually a pretty good player. Uh, he performed pretty well when he did play and things were not going well with Brogdon in the offseason and after the reported Clippers trade and all that. So yes. that part's fine. But it pushes me right back to my original concern where it's Robert Williams and Grant Williams for Chris Epps Porzingis. And... I think the way that Joe Mazzullo wanted to play that was so different from Ime Odoka, he wanted to take 100 threes a game. And I think either you or Pete put that in the text thread. Yes, was I that, think it was Pete. That was Pete. <laughs> it's like, if you if you don't shoot 53s, like, what are you doing? And Porzingis helps them play that way. But I just think there's so much lost on the other side defensively, even with the acknowledgement that Porzingis played better in Washington than he had played in his previous stint uh, in Dallas. And, and so I'm... I'm persuaded by the upgrade in the backcourt from Holiday and certainly going against Milwaukee 
which would they I think these teams have clearly at least separated themselves from the rest of the pack uh, in the East. If there wasn't already some separation, given that Miami didn't get anybody yet and what's going on in Philly with Harden. And if they don't find some solution to that problem, that to me does give the the Celtics some sort of additional team motivation because they can they can all kind of claim, well, Holiday is the one that you didn't choose. Oh, okay, you want Holiday now? Here's Holiday on Dame. Here's Holiday on Giannis on a switch. And and I get that. I just still think that 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 lack of depth ultimately we've se- Darius, we've seen it, man. We've watched these Lakers for the last couple of years, and when you really can't go to that quality depth, at some point it's become such a matchup hunting league, such a who's your weakest player? We're going to put you in every action. That's yeah. the part that would concern me, and it's why. Uh, again, to bring the Lakers into this, it's I think that's harder to do with this Lakers team um, than it was in, in years past. And that, to me, can be an advantage over the course of a seven game series. Well, I'm just interested to see like how their depth plays out within the context of two. Like they're smaller now and they've got a ton of toughness. And I love Holiday. So this isn't to sort of act as though he's he's not going to be a great addition for them. But they're just smaller and they're sliding everyone up a position in order to field their best lineups. And so I thought your point about including Pritchard as a part of, of this trade makes sense, right? And Hauser can play a little bit for them. I'm interested to see how their front court rotation goes to. I thought they already had questions about their front court and needing everyone to stay healthy. And all of those guys have health risks right? When they still had Robert Williams. Now, Williams was a health risk. And if you listen to Celtics fans, they'll tell you like he wasn't going to be, they did not view him as reliable from a health perspective. Uh, And the last two playoff series or seasons um, have seen that play out where he was not at his best physically. He could not contribute to the level that would have been needed for them to either win the NBA championship or advance the way that they needed to advance. And so I get that. But now they're depending on Al Horford to stay healthy for the entire season and and for Przingis to stay healthy the entire season. He's already dealt with a foot injury this summer and we'll just see how how that goes. But but Mike, we're on the Laker Film Room podcast and we've spent, I don't know, about half our pod talking about the Celtics so far. And fine, Holiday went to the Celtics, so I get it. But to me, I want to reframe this conversation a little bit within the context of the entire NBA, right? And so you mentioned that you like the Lakers better now relative to Boston or relative to the Suns. How do you think this impacts the top of the league? And there already has been a lot of takes now that the Celtics are the favorites to win the NBA championship. Like, would that be your take? Coming out of this, not necessarily from a Celtic standpoint, but do you think that this elevates people above the fray or actually brings people back to the fray a little bit more? Because the Lakers are now, we already thought the Lakers were in that mix, right, to win the championship. But does this make them stronger in your eyes? Eh, not not really. Uh, I mean, maybe a, maybe a tiny bit, but it's so dependent upon health that the, if we're assuming that everybody is completely healthy, then that's one thing. Of course, we can't do that. I'll, I'll just I'll just break it down like this. So Las Vegas, in terms of the title odds it right now, the most recent ones that I looked at, Boston and Milwaukee are tied at the top. And then Phoenix is slightly behind Denver, just behind Phoenix. And then the Lakers are like a, a 
decent chunk behind Denver. So they've got those those two Eastern Conference teams. Uh, and then, you know, the three teams that we've identified as being in that top tier with Golden State just behind. After that, it's not I'm not sure there's a team that somebody is really believing in right now. It's like Cleveland and Memphis and Dallas yeah, and the Clippers. Yeah, yeah. The only other element to this, and, and so Darius, I guess my point would be, I don't, like of those five teams, Boston, Milwaukee, Lakers, Nuggets, Suns, I don't see a team that is that looks like what the Warriors did heading into a, the season a couple of years ago, where it's, this is clearly the best, uh, the best team. And does Holiday going to Boston change that? Does Lillard going to Milwaukee change that? Not completely. And... It's, it's right back to that reason as to what we've seen in the modern NBA. And once you get into these playoff series and who is your weakest player, who is your weakest of the five, and do you have at least two guys off the bench that you can bring in? You, you just cannot expect that a team's going to go like what Denver did last year and have zero injuries. So you have to have some quality depth. And that to me is what's lacking in both of Boston and Milwaukee. And Phoenix has some pretty quality depth. But they don't have depth in the place that you might need it in terms of that big position after the trade of DeAndre Ayton. I cannot go into a season with Nurkic uh, as my top center or Drew Eubanks as the backup and feel that confident about getting through uh, an entire gauntlet of Western Conference playoff series unscathed. And it, so I my my response would just be, and this plays, I think, into what Pete's point to us was in the, the text thread that. I like the the Lakers' chances a little bit more overall, like in matchup by matchup, relative sure. to that each of these series, I think, has places that the Lakers can attack um, as opposed to centralizing the power a little bit more in one of the teams. And and so then the flip, the pushback, I think, which is totally fair, which is why I've been maybe a tick lower uh, on the Lakers in terms of the lower 50s relative to what Pete was saying about towards the higher, the higher 50s and even getting to 60, is LeBron year 21. Uh, and and just the two stars having both missed between 15 and 20 games the yeah. last several years like that is the concern point but the the depth and the way that the roster meshes and fits uh, I actually like better than some of these other teams well these other teams are going for it right and the Lakers are going for it in in their own way but they Rob and Rob's comments especially but this plays to what some of what Dar Darwin was talking about too related to to continuity Rob looked at the trade deadline last summer as pre-agency as a way to start to build this season's roster, which is what I had been advocating for last season, right? Which is continuity and building out the team and having some carryover so that you could start a season with momentum rather than starting a season with like a whole new batch of guys, which the Lakers have typically done during the LeBron era. I want to pivot one one last time, though, here, Mike, because I thought a point that you made at the very beginning, which was Drew Holiday getting out of the West and going East, is an important data point for the Lakers because Portland... Thank you for doing that because I forgot to do that in my last response to you. So yeah. No, no, no. So well, Portland, well <laughs> I, I did want to look at Portland one last time here and start to consider what Portland may or may not do with the assets that they again got in, in a deal because Portland is playing a game of flip this house, right? They are, they had one house, they sold it and they took the money from that house and bought a new house. And then like they kept some of that 
in terms of Aiton. And now they're like, okay, well, now we're going to sell this other house, which is Drew Holiday, and they're going to get back other pieces. And in theory, this could go on and on and on until they continue to build their team. So let's take another quick break here, Mike. And on the other side, I want to hit the Portland part around Brogdon and Williams. Do you see them staying there or do you see those guys being auctioned off and potentially staying in the West? maybe, where they could cause the Lakers some problems outside of the Oregon area. That, to me, is the key way to frame this, and from the Lakers' perspective, what the important part of it is, because I think that Williams, more than Brogdon, you know, could make a, a real difference to one of these teams that are right in the middle of that pack. Uh, and... Williams is one of these bigs that we haven't discussed as much when we have this whole conversation about Anthony Davis and Jaron Jackson Jr. and Evan Mobley, or at least the, the names of the versatile bigs that I seem to want to bring up all the time. But he was what made that Celtics defense completely nasty to me. He was the one that when they were like, and, and this is a little bit before he tweaked the knee again. And I acknowledged what you said earlier about Boston fans and Boston people, that being their concern. But you know, he has been able to still, even when limited some, give you this whole different level of half-court rim protection and a roll thread on the other end. And yes, you're not going to get much spacing from him, but it's just that to me has become such a, a pivotal type of position to be able to cover that if Portland decides, well, we've got DeAndre Ayton and I don't know how you play them together. I mean, yeah. I guess you can in terms of how their their athleticism and size. It would be an interesting look. It would be an interesting zag. It's a little bit like what Minnesota did bringing Gobert in, except that Towns doesn't defend. And it, it, certainly at the same level that Williams could um, sort of moving him, himself all around in the perimeter. But or even if you're just you're saying we're going to split minutes between these guys and Aiton's going to get, you know, 32 and Williams is going to get the rest. And then you've just got a big on the floor for the whole time. That's going to be a real deterrent like that. That's not bad. And Williams's contract is actually pretty good. So if they're going to keep him, it's one thing. But if they move him, Darius, I do think that he can make the type of difference um, to bring another team into that, into the thrust of things in the Western Conference. And by the way, we didn't mention Draymond Green uh, in, in his injury going into yeah. the season, you know, him being out. That makes a huge difference too. just losing a key guy in, in a position like that. So before we kind of put the put a bow on all of this. We need to know what Portland does with Brogdon and with Williams relative to the Lakers. Cause there are a couple of teams where I think that that could, that could change the conversation at least a little bit. No, totally. Well, we know that Brogdon was already on the trade block earlier this season and that there was interest from the Clippers before there were issues around um, questions about his injury history. And so could they revisit that at a lesser price? Williams is an interesting guy. I look at a team like Memphis, for example, who is still going to be without Brandon Clark. Um, they ran into big man issues last season, which is one of the reasons why the Lakers were able to sort of dispatch them. They were down to their third string center. And while we liked what they had up front with Jaron Jackson, there are teams where if you plug a Robert Williams in, he can really help them. And I think that's true of Brogdon as well, whether he's a starting guard who is playing like 25 to 30 minutes a game, that might be heavy for him. But as a third guard, potentially, he's another guy that I think could help a lot of teams. And 
I'll just be interested to see if Portland decides like this is our group and we think that we can be competitive and have a couple of veterans around who have played high leverage games in order to help their younger players. Or if they go full rebuild mode and say we may not be able to get top end um, assets back, but could we get like some sort of protected first or a bunch of seconds for Brogdon? Right in a salary dump sort sort of play, or could we could we sell Williams off for a little bit more of like a late first round pick or some other value there? And this isn't something that has to happen today. It could happen all of the way up to the trade deadline, right? Where we know a little bit more about what teams' needs are, and, and so there is. I think still a lot to consider, but how would you place all of this then within the context of the rest of the league? Yeah, I, I just think it's overall for the league. It's it represents like a a little bit of a consolidation in terms of Boston uh, and Milwaukee in the East, and it takes at least away um, adding changing the Western Conference mix that we thought that we had going um, with that with while acknowledging that Phoenix might drop a tiny bit um, and maybe even a little bit more by by losing Aiton and not getting as much for the asset, which we covered in the previous pod. More to be continued as everything comes in. And we'll certainly have some more information coming out of Media Day. Um, yes. That's where I'm heading right now. And uh, I will uh, we will we will decide if we're going to record tonight uh, and get the pot out right away or if we're going to do it in the morning. But either way, uh, plenty to look forward to as the Lakers embark on what should be a really fun season um, and their name squarely, I think, in the mix with all of these teams that we just discussed. So for Darius, I'm Mike. We will uh, get to Pete next time. We appreciate you guys listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, score. Miss it. Right. Unbelievable. Score victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.